British Columbia is world-renowned for its natural beauty, diverse communities, and thriving culture. It's also known for being in the grips of a housing affordability crisis decades in the making, which has been compounded by a poison drug crisis and by the COVID-19 pandemic. The province has an ambitious plan to address the crisis through the largest investment in housing affordability in BC's history. Tasked with building tens of thousands of homes in hundreds of communities is BC Housing, the province's agency responsible for developing, managing, and administering a wide range of subsidized housing and homelessness services across the province. BC Housing doesn't do this alone. To address the challenge, they're working with hundreds of partners. In this podcast, you'll get to hear from those delivering innovative and exciting affordable housing solutions. I'm Sarah from BC Housing, and this is Let's Talk Housing. Over the past few years, BC Housing has worked with partners to move more than 1,000 people from major encampments in communities around the province, including Surrey, Nanaimo, Vancouver, and Victoria. The vast majority of these people who were living in the tent cities remain housed today, thanks to the work of many people, two of whom are joining us on the podcast. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on the ancestral homelands of hundreds of Indigenous peoples and nations across British Columbia, each with their own unique traditions and history. Today, I am on the ancestral and unceded homelands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations who have been the caretakers of these lands for thousands of years. We offer respect to their peoples, past and present. Also, in full transparency, this episode is being recorded in October 2021 and reflects the issues at that time. Joining us on Let's Talk Housing today is Heidi Hartman, BC Housing's Executive Director for Supportive Housing and Homelessness Operations, who has worked with partners to support people experiencing and leaving homelessness in cities around the province, including in Victoria. Also joining us is Janice Abbott, CEO of Atira Women's Resource Society, a nonprofit housing provider that oversees the management of several supportive housing buildings. Her team also provides outreach services to women in the community facing homelessness. She has worked closely on several encampments over the years. Thank you both for joining us on Let's Talk Housing today. Janice, can you start by sharing with our listeners a little bit about Atira's history and the approach that you take to working with community? Sure, thank you. Um, and I want to acknowledge that I'm um, speaking on the stolen and unceded territories of the Squamish and Lillooet Nations. So um, I'm honored to be here and I'm glad to acknowledge uh, both of those nations. So Atira Women's Resource Society has been around for almost 40 years. Um, we uh, operate about at this point in time about 40 um, supportive housing buildings, mostly in the downtown east side of Vancouver, but also in downtown Vancouver um, and in uh, East Vancouver and Surrey. Um, we have been involved mostly in uh, the sort of the ends of the encampment, so providing um, housing opportunities for folks who are leaving the camps. And um, our services are um, low barriers, so uh, we provide access to folks um, who have animals and uh, belongings and um, other things that maybe prevent them from getting into traditional rental housing. Thank you, Janice. And as you mentioned, Atira provides services to folks living in encampments. 
Can you help us understand some of the reasons why people might end up experiencing homelessness and living in an encampment? Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, and based on conversations with, with some of the folks that we work alongside, um, there are lots of uh, complex reasons why people end up outside. Um, sometimes it's about community or where their communities are. Sometimes it's because... Um, Uh, sort of more mainstream landlords or rental properties um, refuse to house them. Sometimes it's because um, it's because it's for really simple reasons, because the places where they live are um, too hot, too cold, uncomfortable for them. They maybe got into conflict with one of their neighbors or some of their neighbors or conflict with somebody. So um, so I think there's a, a lot of uh, reasons um, why people end up outside um, um, and often because it's it's where they feel like they belong at that moment. Heidi, we know that there are as many paths into homelessness as there are people who find themselves sleeping on the streets and every one of them has their own unique story. Can you help explain for people who are listening why someone who finds themselves experiencing homelessness might choose to sleep outside rather than taking a space in the shelter? You know, homelessness, as Janice says, is so very complex. And the reasons people are homeless, their journeys are all very different. And therefore, the reasons they're outside may be different as well. You know, they may have experienced trauma or challenges. Uh, You know, a congregate shelter uh, living space just might not be appropriate for them. And that's where the relationship and the connections um, through outreach like Atira and nonprofits around the province are so really key to support people, you know, an offer of housing. It may take several meetings and building a strong relationship. Those connections is the better way to describe it. It's about connecting, getting to know people and finding out what their housing needs are and how we can support them to make that transition. Janice, Heidi spoke about the importance of building connections. Can you tell us about how Atira built connection with the residents of Strathcona Park which at one point was Canada's largest encampment with more than 450 tents. Yeah, so I think um, one of the one of the keys to um, to how well the decampment at Strathcona worked was having uh, our staff in there well before the the camp was um, dismantled. So uh, we set up a warming tent at um, just on the outside of Strathcona Park because we didn't want to be in people's space. So we were on the ex- just on the other side of the the park boundary. Um, we had uh, in in addition to providing a safe using space, we had um, hot coffee, we had a warming tent, we had um, food, we had staff who were there and able to um, uh, talk with and. Um, make connections with the people who were living in Strathcona Park. So finding a little bit about them, where they hope to go. Um, And we did everything in that warming tent from, like I say, providing food to setting up a table where people played chess and checkers all day. So um, it was about uh, three or four months of being able to get to know and build relationships with the folks who were living in the park um, in an effort to better understand uh, where they would like to go leaving the park. Janice, Atira still has relationships with people who were in the encampment. 
How has Atira approached building relationships with people as they move from being outdoors to living inside? So, you know, it's not a it's not an easy process. People have a lot of reasons uh, not to trust the system, um, especially people who are racialized or people who have experienced a lot of violence at the hands of the system. People um, who have been traumatized by the system. So, um, so even sort of the effort that went into developing those relationships in the warming tent, um, they get tested when people move inside. Um, people expect that they, they based on their, their lived experience, they expect to be evicted. So there's a lot of negotiating what living inside looks like because, because people expect to, um, expect to be excluded. Um, and so, uh, the relationship building is ongoing and the relationships are constantly tested. Um, and there needs to be a lot of patience and a lot of space uh, for mistakes to be made. Um, and, and by mistakes, I mean things like floods and fires. And, um, y- you know, you, you really have to work with folks um, because they're, they're expecting to, to, to be excluded. And you have to prove to people that, you're, that they can trust you. Um, and that you're not going to exclude them from housing. Crucial to maintaining these relationships has been BC's approach to moving people indoors with minimal use of force, which is very different from many other jurisdictions where there's been a very heavy police presence. Can you talk about the process to clear an encampment without having to rely on use of force? I think we all. it's always important to honour the, the different communities and what works because each of the... The camps looks a bit different, but again, it really goes to relationships and, you know, um, going to the camp, building those relationships of trust, you know, bringing the different partners in, uh, as Jan has shared, you know, the warming tent with the meals, you know, bringing people together, honoring the community that's there. Um, in Victoria, you know, we we ensured that there was regular meetings um, with the, with the campers and with you know sometimes it was the fire department, it was the the police, but having that respectful relationship and connection is just really key um, to be able to. I I decampment is a. a difficult word for me. I like to be able to frame it as moving people inside, you know, um, and recognizing it's it's not going to be something that happens over a day or two. It's about relying on that relationship, building that relationship and bringing the appropriate partners in. You know, it may not be a lead agency per se. It um, It's really a person-focused approach. So who best connects with that person and who can help transition them to the housing solution that they'll be moving to for that continuity that Jan has talks about, you know, that continuity of relationships so that trust can be built over time. You've raised a key point, Heidi, about the importance of a person-focused approach. Janice, can you share with us more about the partners Atira worked with in Strathcona to be able to deliver this kind of person-centered approach to services? Yeah, and I just I just want to also make another point. When you when you adopt a person-centered approach, it's important, I think, to realize that for some people, for whatever reason, um, they they want to be outside. So we continue to have um, a, a relationship on an outreach basis with an older uh, man who has zero interest in being inside. And he's found a new place to be where he's been, he's been since the camp 
um, closed last year. Um, and we visit him at his place outside. And so um, I think we need to honor, uh, you know, while obviously um, in our hearts, we want everyone to be inside um, for, for all the right reasons. For some people, it doesn't work. And so you have to find a way to honor that as well and continue to be in relationship with that person um, and honor what they want. So um, so at, at the... Um, at the warming tent at Strathcona, um, there were a variety of partners who worked there. So we worked closely with um, PHS, who had outreach workers uh, at Strathcona Park for the, I think, the duration of the encampment there, um, and already had relationships with um, some of the some of the campers and some of the communities at the at the park. Um, so they were instrumental. Those outreach workers were instrumental in helping us get to know some of the campers and some of the um, some of the uh, uh, uniqueness of the communities there. Um, we also worked very closely with BC Housing. Obviously, BC Housing had staff and uh, outreach workers in the park. We worked with the City of Vancouver. We worked with the Fire Department. We worked with um, the Parks Department. Um, we did our best to work with the VPD um, in a way that was respectful of the community. Um, and we worked with other not, not-for-profits So there were uh, and with health. So there were a lot of folks on site offering support. Um, and, um, and being in conversation, as Heidi mentioned, being in conversation with all of those partners and with the community in an effort to better understand um, uh, what the community wanted and needed was really important uh, to make it work. Heidi, Janice has talked about the importance of partners in Strathcona Park in Vancouver. Can you tell us about how BC Housing works with partners in Victoria, including through the Homeless Action Response Team? We've seen such success with that model of the heart or the homeless action response team because it's a really integrated approach and again it just has those elements of person focused approach um, that team consists of um, outreach providers um, including uh, indigenous partners um, the uh, bylaws, city bylaws, and um, police and island health. And what we do is um, on a regular basis, there is a weekly meeting um, to identify where we're seeing um, small encampments. Um, and we want to really be proactive and connect with people. You know, we've had circumstances through Heart where we found senior citizens in a park who were new, n- newly homeless. So that team, that integrated team was able to connect with them, get them housing application and take immediate response to finding a, a sheltering solution with them. And um, I can't say enough about collaboration and integration. You know, uh, when we developed this team, there was concern about the police being there and what that looked like. But it's really about the um, police officer and the personality attached to it. And we've seen that with bylaws as well. But they are able to do their, their work in a really respectful and supportive way. And we've had tremendous success. 
um, in being able to take immediate action when we find new folks on the street and hopefully, you know, prevent that cycle of long-term homelessness. Um, We're able to make shelter referrals. I should mention that uh, the Ministry of Social Development workers are also a part of that. So they have the community integration workers there as well. So, you know, at Upon meeting somebody, they can do income assistance applications. We can do supportive housing applications, or sometimes it's a a, a rent supplement uh, um, application. But it's really that I don't always like to use the word wraparound, but that really supportive team around people, and again, just really focusing on the person. It's not a one size fits all. It's really honoring the person and what their circumstances are, and why their journey to homelessness has occurred. We know the vast majority of people that we've moved indoors from these encampments remain inside, but we also know that some folks do end up back on the street. Janice, can you talk about what you think needs to change so that everyone who moves indoors has what they need to live the healthy, stable life that they would like? Yeah, so it's a, a complex answer. I mean, if I if I were going to go to the heart of it, I would say, I would quote uh, Frederick Douglass and say that it's easier to build strong children than it is to fix broken adults. And um, so if we want to talk about solutions to homelessness, we have to talk about um, fundamental changes to the child welfare system, stop, you know, stop apprehending or stealing people's children, um, providing enough food and a roof over children's heads, uh, and access to education, all of all of those things that build strong and healthy adults. So it's a, it's a kind of a long, complex question. Um, once people are outside, I think it's important to remember that no matter how carefully um, we manage decampments, no matter how, uh, how um, how good our intentions are that they, that the accountant itself is traumatizing for lots of folks. And I, you know, I think, um, when you get people inside, um, you need to not make the mistake that for everybody, that's the, the end of the road that their, you know, life is suddenly awesome because they have a, a, a room to live in with a roof over their heads. We need a safe supply. We need the decriminalization of drugs, decriminalization of sex work. We need, um, we need uh, an end to poverty. Um, and so when you have all of those things, when you have, and, and most folks at the end of the day want their own kitchen and want their own bathroom. So it's about adequate, um, affordable housing as well. So it's a, a long, complex question. Um, and, uh, and, and a big part of it is doing our best not to create trauma in the first place. That's such important context. Heidi, as, as Janice has just pointed out, housing is only one part of a very complex solution. So BC Housing has 21,000 homes built or underway, and we still have hundreds of people in these encampments. We still have thousands of people that are experiencing homelessness. When you look ahead, how is BC Housing working with partners to really turn the tide and provide some of the solutions that people so desperately need? Janice um, identified it. It's that prevention piece. You know, we we absolutely BC Housing and the province have been so responsive in building housing, but we need more. And um, building is one of the solutions, but a key piece of that is that prevention. You know, um, the the supports for youth leaving care. 
you know, that continuity, again, it's that person-focused approach. That That's key to what we do. Also, adequate health services, you know, through the decampment and moving people in from the parks in Victoria into the, the sheltering solutions, we've We've seen the success of having health services on site. You know, um, again, it takes time for people to connect to them, but if they're available and they have access, it's so beneficial. You know, we hear stories and I've seen it when I go to the sites and the difference in people's appearance once they get a roof over their head, they're having regular meals and they're getting the medical attention they need. You know, all those are really keys. Housing is part of the solution, um, but there are so many other elements that need that are needed to be able to support folks in in sheltering solutions to be successful, especially when we're dealing with situations of trauma, supporting people through that. This has been a really important conversation. I'd like to thank Janice Abbott and Heidi Hartman for joining us on Let's Talk Housing. Let's talk again soon. To learn how to apply for subsidized housing in British Columbia, visit our website, bchousing.org. You can also call us at 1-800-257-7756. That's 1-800-257-7756.